0: Thanks for tuning in. Christian, Martin, and Stacy were together for 30 years and had three sons. Kit, the nickname he used, was an Apache helicopter pilot and had risen to the rank of major in the military and served overseas. His wife described him in Fox 17 News as always black and white. There was no gray area with him, it was either right or it was wrong. He was dedicated, loyal, faithful, he cared about his country and his family, and those were the top things in his life. After their divorce, he met Joan Harmon. She told him she was a widow. Her husband had been killed in a logging accident. The couple married in 2004, and her young children moved in with Kit. In 2008, his career took them to Germany, then to Rhode Island, and in 2011 they moved to Pembroke, Kentucky, where he was stationed at the Fort Campbell Army Base. Pembroke was a small town with less than a thousand residents. The family settled into a house on South Main Street. It was close to town, yet had a rural feel to it. Large leafy trees lined the street, with houses on large lots, some rather stately, with southern front porches, others small and quaint. Kit and Joan lived across from Calvin and Pamela Phillips, a couple married over 30 years. Their only child was now an adult. Pamela worked at a local bank, and Calvin who was retired from the military, was an entrepreneur. And next to them resided Edward Dancero. Ed was a professional jazz pianist who loved sharing his talent for music and a gourmet meal with friends and family, including his longtime girlfriend, Sally. After the move, things in the Martin household fell apart. Kit discovered that Joan wasn't a widow after all. Her last husband was still alive and she'd never divorced him. He told her that he wanted to end their marriage. Kid's daughter Mackenzie, who was living with them, heard Joan respond, If you leave me, I will ruin your life. I will ruin your military career. I know how to do it. I'll tell them you abused me. Kit was cordial with the neighbors, but it was Joan who got to really know them. She confided in Calvin and Pamela about her relationship issues with Kit. Meanwhile rumors had started to circulate around the small town that Joan and Calvin were having an affair. The two spent a lot of time together during the day when their spouses were at work. Kit. Put Joan's threat aside, and their marriage was annulled in 2012. Afterwards, Joan called both 911 and the military, and filed a formal complaint alleging that Kit abused her and her children. Then she moved out of the house. News Four reported that at a family court hearing that same year, a judge denied a domestic violence order and stated that Joan did not meet the burden of proof. Kit still had to answer to the military for Joan's allegations. In the meantime, Kit remained working at the Fort Campbell base. He moved on with his life and met Laura Spencer. She was not only a nurse, but a professor at the Austin P State University. Laura Kit became engaged, and she and her two children moved into his house on South Main Street. Joan was charged with bigamy for being married to two men at the same time. She pled guilty and in 2016 was sentenced to a diversion program for five years, which meant rather than a jail sentence, she was put on unsupervised probation. Joan told Pamela and Calvin that she was afraid of Kit, afraid for her life, Calvin and Pamela told Joan not to be afraid, but they needed to take measures to protect themselves. So the three of them, along with Ed, all decided to take a concealed handgun class together. One day, when Kit wasn't home, Joan had Calvin accompany her to the house to retrieve some of her things. Tucked in amongst some blankets, they discovered a laptop and computer discs. Mark secret. Calvin recognized them as belonging to the military and that they were classified material and that Kit should not have them. Rather than phone the police or military, Calvin took them. It's not apparent exactly when, but at some point, Calvin and Joan took them to the FBI Kit soon found out that he would have to attend a military court-martial, not only for alleged sexual and physical abuse of Joan and her children, but now they added a charge of mishandling classified materials. Kit felt Joan was making good on her threat to destroy his military career. He could be facing 10 years in military prison. And Joan, well, if he was found guilty... She would receive over $100,000 from the military in compensation. Kit knew he had to fight back. To clear his name and save his career, he hired a private investigator, Michael Gonzacci, a retired homicide detective. Michael interviewed Calvin in July 2015 and again in early November. The interviews were recorded. Calvin denied knowing anything about the abuse allegations, and in a twist, advised the investigator that he would be testifying against Joan at Kit's court martial. On the evening of Wednesday, November 18th, Kit arrived home around 7:30 p.m. He entered through the back door as usual because the front door never worked. He and Laura celebrated their anniversary with a quiet evening at home. The Kentucky New Era reported that he bought her flowers. They enjoyed dinner and watched TV in the den. Her son Austin and daughter Emma both arrived home around 8 p.m. Emma went to her bedroom to get ready for bed. Austin popped into the den and watched TV with Kit and his mom for 20 minutes before heading off to bed. That night, someone brought a gun to Calvin and Pamela's home. It's not known exactly what happened, but we do know that Calvin was shot multiple times in the upper chest and died in the cellar, and that someone attempted to set the house on fire. Then Pamela and Ed were shot dead, loaded into her car, and driven two minutes away to Rosetown Road. There, the car was parked on the side of the gravel road next to a cornfield. Accelerant was poured on it, and the car was lit on fire. Sally tried calling Ed numerous times that night, but Ed was gone, and the back door to his house was left open. Clarksville now reported that around 2 a.m., residents around Rosetown Road recalled hearing a noise. Then at eight thirty AM, the farmer who owned the land discovered the burnt out shell. The car's windows were blown out, its tail lights melted, and the color undistinguishable. The Pembroke Volunteer Fire Department responded, They noticed what they thought might be human remains, and contacted the Christian County Sheriff's Office who notified the coroner. Initially, it was thought there was only one set of remains. The car was removed and later examined. Using the vehicle's VIN number, they were able to trace it to the Phillips on South Main Street. Investigators obtained a search warrant and when they entered the Phillips residence, discovered Calvin's body. The medical examiner then confirmed that a second body had been found in the burnt car and that both had died from gunshot wounds. It didn't take long for investigators to start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. They discovered that Calvin was scheduled to testify at Kitt's court-martial in less than two weeks. Investigators obtained a search warrant for Kitt's house, At 2 p.m., Laura was home alone when she heard a window break downstairs. Then she heard a man's voice yelling. She couldn't understand what he was saying, so she picked up her phone and called 911, then ran out of the back door in her bare feet and was stopped dead in her tracks. Five police were standing with their rifles drawn, pointed at her head. Investigators seized evidence from the house, including Kit's 45 caliber Glock handgun found in a safe. That same day, Major Christian Martin was held at Fort Campbell for two days. When Kit was released, he was ordered to stay away from his home. He could not be within 30 miles of it. Kit, Laura and the children never returned. Two weeks after the murders, Calvin's son Matthew and Calvin's sister Diana were at Calvin and Pamela's home to clean it up and take a look for evidence. In the foyer, Diana discovered dog tags sitting on a shelf. At first she thought they were Calvin's, but then noticed the name, Christian Martin. Diana turned them over to investigators. Five months after the murder, Matthew and Diana were back at Calvin and Pamela's house when this time she spotted something on the back porch hidden under a woodpile in the corner. Matthew instantly recognized it as a shell casing. Again, Diana turned the evidence over to investigators. Fox 17 News reported that one of the people who turned it in Failed a polygraph on how it got there, but they didn't state who that person was. It does make us question how someone could have found evidence that the police missed, evidence that wasn't difficult to find. In May 2016, Kitt's court martial began. The Leaf Chronicle reported that he faced charges for conduct unbecoming an officer mishandling classified information, communicating a threat, assault and sexual assault. Joan and her son testified against Kit on the abuse charges. Kit's defense claimed Joan was not a credible witness because she had lied before, stating her ex-husband was dead and that she had been convicted of bigamy. Kit was found guilty of battery of a minor and guilty of the military charges, but found not guilty on all other charges. He was sentenced to 90 days in jail and dismissed from the army, ending his nearly 30-year career. A year after the murders, friends and family of Calvin and Pamela offered a $100,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and conviction. Their son Matthew told the media they deserve justice after everything. So do we. Kit continued flying and became a pilot for American Airlines. The case of the murdered threesome went cold. Another year went by. Calvin and Pamela son, Matthew, begged the Attorney General's office to solve his parents' murders. His passionate plea was heard, the office intervened in the investigation. They only had one suspect. Although Kit had been briefly detained after their murders, he had remained their prime suspect. On Friday, May 10th, 2019, the Christian County Grand Jury indicted Kit for the murders of Calvin, Pamela, and Ed on the charges of three counts of murder, arson, attempted arson, burglary, and tampering with physical evidence. The next day, Kit was arrested in spectacular fashion. Dressed in his pilot's uniform, he was at the Louisville International Airport preparing for a takeoff when he was arrested by the United States Marshal Service, the Christian County Sheriff's Office, and the Louisville Metro Police. In front of a plane full of passengers, Authorities boarded the plane and placed handcuffs on Kit. He was booked into jail, still wearing his pilot's uniform. Kit was held on a $3 million bond. The airline suspended him and rescinded his travel privileges, pending the outcome of the police investigation. Kit was charged with three counts of murder, arson, burglary, and complicity which means investigators believe that someone else assisted him. Fox 17 News reported that Mike, the investigator Kit had hired for his court-martial, sent an email to police defending his client. In it, he wrote, and I quote, Is the professional opinion of Mary Martin and I that Calvin Phillips was murdered in order to prevent his testimony? on behalf of the defense. Witness statements strongly point to Joan Harmon as a person most likely to benefit from his silence. A year later, at Kitts' preliminary hearing, his lawyer Tom Griffiths told the court that, in his opinion, the Kentucky State Police mishandled and destroyed evidence. A hair found in Ed's car had been tested and found not to be a match to Kit. But then key evidence found in Pam's burned-out car was not preserved correctly, and was either destroyed or the quality so poor it was unable to be tested. A firearm expert determined that the shell Diana had found on Calvin and Pamela's back porch did indeed match Kit's Glock gun found in his safe but it was also known around the neighborhood that Kit target practiced with his gun in the backyard. His lawyer, Tom, told the court that according to the Kentucky State Police, the bullets that killed all three did not match Kit's gun. The defense took those bullets and submitted them to an independent expert who also testified that it was unlikely the bullets came from Kit's gun. In addition, Tom felt that the cell phone evidence analyzed by the Christian County Sheriff's Office was inaccurate when it claimed that Kit was at the crime scene and not at home and that an expert hired by the defense disputed the sheriff's deputy, determining that it was physically impossible for Kit and Pamela's phones to have been in the same place at the same time. In June 2021, the murder trial against Kit began. The prosecution had no DNA evidence, no physical evidence. In their opening statement, they argued that Kit had the motive, the means, and the opportunity to murder Calvin, Pamela, and Ed, and that he'd left his dog tags behind when he cleaned up the murder scene. Kit's lawyer mentioned Joan and her bigamy conviction as someone who had the motive to frame Kit for the murders, and that she could have placed Kit's dog tags on the shelf in Philip's home because she visited there often. Joan and her son were scheduled to testify, but they invoked the Fifth Amendment on the grounds that what they might say on the stand could expose them to prosecution. Laura, her son Austin, and daughter Emma testified saying that Kit's house was old and creaky and they could hear when someone was walking in the house or leaving through the back door, and that night they heard nothing. The judge permitted Friends of the Phillips to testify that before their murders, the couple were worried for their safety and expressed fear of what Kit might do to them. Kit's lawyer objected to the hearsay evidence but the judge overruled his objections. Security footage from Kit's house that night was played in court. It showed him getting home at 7.30 p.m. and entering through the back door, then exiting at 11.43 p.m. and re-entering two minutes later. Kit took the stand in his own defense and stated that it was stupid that he had been charged with the crimes that he didn't do it, and the evidence proved he didn't. After two weeks, the jury convicted Kit. He was found guilty on all counts. It had been almost six years since Calvin, Pamela, and Ed were murdered. Kit was sentenced to life in prison. Kit's lawyer intends to appeal. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Irene Garza. She was crowned Miss South Texas in 1958 and was the first in her family to go to college. On Easter weekend, she went to confession and met Father Fight, a priest with a slim build, dark hair, glasses, and a sinister side. If you're dying to hear more, Past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at Murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or Murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music sound effects and fastening studios and quick sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers.